This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your hosts, Chris Spear and Andrew Wilkinson. Each week, we'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. The following episode is one of our COVID Zoom sessions. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org, and on Facebook and Instagram at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. This is episode 36 of the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. On this week's episode, we have David Pollock. David is a chef in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. After undergoing kidney failure and being on dialysis for a number of years, Dave finally received a kidney transplant. Now he's starting a nonprofit organization called Cooking Without Kidneys. Currently, Dave is sharing recipes on his YouTube channel, website, and Facebook Live. He's trying to help people who are in similar situations learn how to be better cooks. I'll put all his contact information in the show notes, but if you'd like to check out his website, you can go to cookingwithoutkidneys.wordpress.com or just do a Google search for Cooking Without Kidneys and you'll probably find his social media pages. And if you enjoy the show, have ever received a job through one of our referrals, have been a guest, been given complimentary Chefs Without Restaurant swag, or simply want to help, please consider donating to our Venmo. It can be found at venmo.com forward slash C-H-E-F-W-O-R-E-S-T-O-S. Any help would be much appreciated, and feel free to let us know if you have any questions. Thanks so much, and have a great week. Hey everybody, this is Chris, and this is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. I'm doing the show today via Zoom with a good friend of mine, David Pollock. Hey, Dave, how are you doing? Doing good, Chris. What's going on, brother? You know, trying to keep sane here in the, the time of quarantine, um, but doing pretty well. So I wanted to have you on for a while. For our listeners, Dave and I go back about 25 years. Uh, he was one of my roommates in college. We were in each other's weddings and so forth. So I've known Dave a long time. Dave is a Johnson & Wales graduate like myself and has done a lot of interesting things and now he's got his own organization that he's starting so i wanted yep. to have him on the show and talk a little bit about that so dave why don't you give a quick little intro about yourself and what you're doing so like you said i've known you since college when rocks were soft you know, N- um, 1995 yeah yeah seriously so Known you since college, um, was working up my through the ranks in restaurants and uh, got really sick. Ended up um, having kidney failure, going on dialysis. Spent four and a half years on dialysis, and you know now I'm a nine year recipient. Um, so essentially, what I decided to do was take the knowledge that I learned through going through the process of dialysis and apply it to uh, helping people who are uh, going through it themselves and created a show on Facebook Live called Cooking Without Kidneys, which I should also share on my Instagram and Twitter, and you know, um, just kind of spreading it around because really it's all about just helping people who are going through those issues and um, helping them, not just helping them to survive, but thrive and be able to do different and interesting things you know, with food. 
And you've been talking about this for, it seems like at least five years, I think, but I think this is the, the past couple of months you've really gotten serious with pushing this forward. Yeah. So I started with my WordPress site, which is still up and I'm still um, posting the recipes to that. And um, back in 2014, actually, I started it. And I, the reason I remember is because the time I stopped was when I got a phone call from a buddy of mine, found out three of my friends who were on dialysis all died within a week. So it was just one of those deals of um, too much, too heavy, too soon. And so I stopped for a while and now I just got back into it probably about, say, two months ago. So what are you focusing on right now? I know you're doing some uh, live videos with cooking and stuff. I've seen a couple of your recipes on the website. Is there something, one singular thing you're kind of focusing on or are you just trying to get all the info out there for people to see right now? You know, I, I really just kind of want to get the info out there, but I also want to give people base recipes that they could take and create from and do different things with, you know, um, and alternatives. Because, I mean, the biggest problems when you're on dialysis is potassium, sodium, phosphorus are your three major ones, and potassium's a big one. So what are some of the ingredients you can't be eating or you need to limit when you're on this kind of diet? So when I was on dialysis, now everybody has their own separate issues. Some people have sodium issues. Some people have phosphorus. Some people have potassium. You know, some people have problems with all three. Personally, I had my issue was potassium. Couldn't keep it under control. So I ended up staying away from potatoes, tomatoes, citrus, dark leafy greens, except kale, stone fruits, you know, including avocados, you know, peaches. They were all high legumes, beans, you know, one can of beans has like over like 600 milligrams of potassium in it. And that's dangerous. Sounds like a lot of healthy foods you can't eat. You know, to a point, I mean, then there's things that you can. So, you know, um, later on today, I'm actually going to be doing, um, making not, oh, but more or less doing like an Asian uh, noodle dish. I'm essentially going to be doing um, glass noodles with uh, soft boiled egg, um, scallions with uh, peppers, and I'm going to have some sliced steak in there. You know, it's going to be a few, it's going to, it's going to be really done up, really nice, rich uh, stock in there also. So what's your long-term goal for the organization? What are you really looking to do besides providing information you know i want to actually turn this into a um into a, a national if not international nonprofit, where it's all about educate education helping people who are going through issues maybe not just dialysis but being diabetics on dialysis or you know having heart issues and being on dialysis you know all these different things you know change the diet that you can be on some are more limiting than others it would be kind of neat to actually that challenge out there to other chefs and do demonstrations and competitions through the organization you know and do it as a nonprofit, kind of like putting money towards research for diabetics for national kidney foundation diabetic foundation so are you working with any organizations right now um as it stands i am not i am uh, actually uh, i put the feelers out with uh, my old dialysis unit that I was part of 
putting the feelers out with uh, Christiana Care. They're testing out recipes, taking a look at them. Um, so far, I've gotten nothing but good reviews, you know, especially on the content, on the videos. Because there's a lot of times I'll say, this worked for me because of this. Or I'm adding this to it now because I have a Canadian can. But here are alternatives if you can't. So are you working with a dietitian or anyone uh, in that kind of field to review recipes and such? I'm actually in conversation with uh, my dietitian from, um, from uh, my transplant team, um, mostly right now. She's kind of going online and reviewing my recipes, and I've started the conversation with her about being on my board with the nonprofit as I form it, you know, and I'm just looking to build and really just kind of like create a national movement where demonstrations and competitions can happen all across the U.S., you know, so that way we can really get the word out there and, you know, as a chef being, a, being limited to this is all you can use versus you have a plethora of things you can, you know, kind of makes it more interesting, kind of gives it, gives the challenge a whole different, you know, puts it all in a whole different light. I love the idea of cooking competitions. I think that sounds fun, almost like a chopped or something, you know, because you're so restricted in the, the foods you can use. So that sounds like a great idea. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something you could even start right now. Maybe there's a way to put it out there and see if people while they're home could work on developing recipes and kind of doing like a, a virtual chopped. And I don't know, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but that, that might be something that would work right now. You could potentially do something like that. Uh, I've actually, um, I was given a suggestion. Obviously I'm not following up on it right now, not until this thing kind of, you know, not so much, it, I don't think COVID-19 is going to go away, but until it blows, until it like gets to a point where we're able to be social again. Um, I'm in conversation with a church about, um, you know, bringing, doing um, demonstrations there and just really starting to build. So what are the big things you're working on right now? So the big things ma mainly I'm working on is just getting the word out there, putting content out there, just really showing people that even though, I, even though when you're going through it, you're limited on your diet, you really can create from it that the limits that are on what you can eat are not the limits on what you can do with what you can eat. And is there any benefit to eating any of these recipes or diets for someone who doesn't have any kind of restrictions? Like I don't have any kind of diet restriction, but are there any pros or cons to me, say following one of these recipes and making one of these dishes? You know what? I, uh, I can honestly say, I don't know. You know, I know that, you know, you're, you, you'll greatly reduce the amount of potassium, greatly increase the amount of protein that you're taking in, you know, through some of these recipes. Because the, the biggest thing is when you're on dialysis, it doesn't just pull the bad out of your blood, but it also pulls the good. So extra protein, minerals, that kind of deal, all comes out with all of the creatinine and toxins and the excess potassium when you're on the machine. So are you working with any other chefs to develop recipes? Uh, you know what? Not at this point in time. I'm in conversation with a couple of different chefs, starting to work with a couple of different. My old chef from Cuba Libre from way back in the day from 2001, Guillermo Veloso and I were in conversation and he's actually, you know, reviewing uh, the actual diets and starting to look at some of his recipes and seeing how he can adapt them 
Um, Eric Sheldon's another one that we went to college with. Me and him are in conversation. So let's go back to your background a little bit. You know, I think it's interesting. You've been a chef and in the food world, you know, since you were a teenager working in restaurants. What was it like when you were still cooking and working as the whole, I guess, process of kidney failure was happening? You know, I have the benefit of having known you and and know the story, but what was it like when, you know, you were kind of at the top of your game, working really hard in Philadelphia in some of the best restaurants, and then all of a sudden you couldn't perform the way you were used to? What was that like for you? It was rough because I knew I was able to do it, you know. I mean, I went from being a sous chef at Cafe Gelato down in Newark, Delaware. That was actually the job I held after Cuba Libre. And working as a saucier Cuba Libre being a doing the 60, 70, 80 hour weeks and running around that kitchen. It was great. You know, there are days I really miss that. I miss that adrenaline. I miss that rush. I miss, you know, there's a lot of it, a lot of parts of that that I actually miss. But I can tell you that as I was on the downhill slide, so, so was my physical ability to keep up. You know, it's not that I didn't have the know-how. It's that physically my body was just slowing down. I could not push past, even though I worked to push past a certain point, I couldn't, you know, and once I got on the machine, even though I was great, there were still days I just couldn't do the job because, well, let's just say that dialysis kind of took it out of me. Well, what's the process of going through dialysis like for those who have no idea, you know, how long is it? Um, what is that like? So if you're on dialysis, you're looking at uh, three days a week, unless you're doing, um, there's two kinds of dialysis. There's one that you do at home, and then there's a there's the hemo, hemo which you do um, actually at a site. You know, and you can actually do hemo at home, but you actually need a whole separate, like clean, um, sanitized room for it specifically just for that. So it's hard to do at home. So, um, but when you're going through dialysis, literally they're taking blood out one side and putting it right back in, um, either through catheters, a shunt, or a fistula. An officiala is actually when they use your own body, use your own arteries and veins to uh, create a port. But essentially, can't talk about really what it feels like because it's kind of like you, you really do kind of feel like it's a part of you being ripped off. I can't describe it any other way. Yeah, but it's a long process. And I know you didn't have a car at the time, so you were having to get on the bus and go to your location. And then you were there for how many hours? Uh, they started me at four and a half hours and we cut it back to three and a half hours because it was just, it was, it, it was just doing too much. Uh, it was taking too much out of me. I literally would get done. Um, Tuesdays were my worst days because you go three days a week, You're either Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And I ended up Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is going at uh, five in the morning to about eight thirty you know, um, nine o'clock. And it, there were times that it was just rough. It's just a rough process to be in. It's, it's no place I would ever want to see anyone that I know end up in. Were you still able to work on the days that you had a treatment? Um, in the beginning, I always said that the first day of dialysis, I would not work um, just because that was the worst. It was the hardest. You know, you go, you have two days in between there where you're not on the machine at all. So your body's on those days, I'd go to dialysis, go home, and I would pass out on the couch. 
you know. But you're uh, going on Saturday, and Saturday's traditionally like the busiest restaurant day. So were there Saturdays that you went and got a treatment and then went into work? Oh, all the time. That sounds crazy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't your I wasn't your average dialysis patient. Uh, I worked forty to sixty hours a week. I uh, went to the gym four days a week. I didn't smoke. I wasn't a drinker. I didn't have diabetes. I, you know, no hypertension. None of the. I was not the typical dialysis patient, and yet I put myself in the hospital twice with potassium poisoning, nearly killing myself. You know, I would. There were just times where I just didn't have it in me to get things done. And because of the grueling work week, I, I would only be able to hold on to a job for anywhere from six months to maybe a year before my body was just so burnt and broken that I couldn't keep up anymore. Were you working at Chifa for Jose Garces at the time? If, if my memory serves, that's where you were. And then maybe Garces Trading Company? Yeah, so I did part-time at Garces Trading Company and I was at Chifa. I was there for about a year, roundabouts. You know, and I really hung in there to the best that I could. I just, you know, phys just physically, my body just broke down to a point where it just couldn't keep up. So are you going to be doing a cookbook? Uh, what What's your plan? I know you're putting everything out on social media and sharing recipes is great. Uh, do you have a cookbook in the works or is that something you've thought about? So actually, um, uh, the recipes that are going up on the blog right now will actually end up uh, in a book. Um, and as this grows and we start doing the demonstrations and competitions, the chefs who are there, their recipes that they're using, you know, their ideas, their thoughts are all actually going to be part of like a smaller version of that book, um, at each event, you know, and I'll probably put out just one large one once a year. Do you have a favorite recipe or two that are appropriate for, people who are going through dialysis or having kidney issues? What's your, what's your go-to? I, I really did have two go-tos. You know, the first one was, uh, a, I would make literally a tomatoless marinara, you know, using roasted red peppers instead. Um, and the flavor of it with all the herbs and everything else, it actually would taste like you actually had a marinara. That with meatballs or turning that into a bolognese or, you know, that was, that was one of my go-tos because it was so simple. You know, I would always have roasted peppers in my fridge. I would always have, you know, potato soaking, things of that nature. So I used to do tacos a lot. I would do, you know, just some very big. And then there were some things that would be long-term, you know. I would actually do, um, you know, braised like a lamb and things of that nature that worked out really nice and I what I'd be able to do is I would be able to the night before set it up put it in the fridge that the next day throw it into the oven 250 275 and let it go all day by the time I felt ready to pull it out of the oven at like four o'clock in the afternoon I could pull it out literally pull the bones out it fall right apart and it was just such it, it, it's literally at the time what my body craved how long did it take to adjust to cooking to this style for you? Was it easy for you or was it a lot of work? In the beginning, it was a lot of work because there are things that you just miss. You know, one of the, the, the one time that really sticks out of my mind that I really put myself in the hospital, I literally had a day, had a day, went to dialysis on Saturday, Sunday got up, went to work, walked in, started eating some 
fried plantains, some avocado, melon, citrus, everything I wasn't supposed to. Tomatoes, oh my, I ate everything I wasn't supposed to. You know, went out to dinner with my wife that night, her not knowing what I've eaten throughout the day. I actually made my, I actually had a um, grilled cheese with avocado and tomato with tomato bisque. So literally I woke up Monday morning with 104 fever and uh, went to the hospital. My potassium was double that, that they uh, injected to death row in me. What was that that they did? I had so much potassium in my blood from what I ate in one day that it was double that what they inject into a death row inmate. Is that how they killed death row inmates with potassium? That, yeah, potassium sulfide or potassium chloride, something like that, injected. And anything over seven parts per million is, um, is I got lucky. I really did get lucky with that. So what's been the reception so far? Have you heard from people? Like, are you building your community and finding people you don't even know are there? Like when you publish to Facebook, are you getting new fans and followers who know nothing about you and just have found your page or site? Or is it still so new that it's really mostly people who already know you? No, actually, I'm actually up to about 300 followers on Facebook. Um, Essentially, what I've been doing is I've been every other week I'm running an ad and I'm, I'm changing out those ads every week just to kind of build, just to build growth, and build the awareness of it, you know, um, also crossing it over onto Instagram, getting a lot of followers through that as well as through, um, through uh, my Twitter feed also. It, right now where I'm really looking for the feedback is on the WordPress and that, that really hasn't been... Uh, yeah, really hasn't shown up there yet. Dude, it's so hard. My website I've had for 10 years, I don't know, I've had like five comments on my website in like 10 years. Like it's just, don't expect that to happen. It doesn't mean people aren't going and aren't reading, but the feedback coming from the website in my experience has been non-existent. And I think it's just the changing landscape of social media and the internet. I mean, I used to do a post on my website and then would just submit the link on a Facebook and say, hey, I have a new recipe, go here. If people are already into Facebook, they don't want to leave Facebook. And I find that it's just better to also post the whole content right within Facebook or Instagram. And I'd play around with that a little bit. It's great to have the website there for the general public because there's always going to be people who don't go to Facebook and, and your website shows up in search results and SEO. So that's good. But I find that the interaction and engagement within social media platforms is great. You know, today I posted a photo of some tortillas that I made last night and I've had 20 plus comments on that and people saying, can you share the recipe? And what did you do? And I've been DMing recipes to people all day and, and talking about it. And I'm having an interaction that I would never have on a website post. If I just posted the photos of the tortillas and the recipe on the website, a few right. people would see it, but putting it out on Facebook, people are commenting, they're sharing, they're engaging. And I just think that that's the way things are going. But I do still think that having a website where you're posting that is a great idea. It's almost like your online journal, you know, well, it's an online journal, but it's also the basis for the book. 
you know, knowing that a lot of people are not really going to visit the site or people will visit the site and not really leave comments really kind of builds into, I could take every recipe, all the stories I'm putting on the site, the whole nine yards and condense it all down into a 50 or hundred page book with a bunch of different recipes, different ideas, and use that to help support cooking without kidneys. So what's next? Anything new or just double downing on the things you're already doing? Do you have other things? Is there a phase two that you're going to move into once you kind of get a handle on what you're already doing? Yeah. So phase two is actually going to start going to start to um, grow into being doing demonstrations and competitions, um, going going into the more social aspect of things when this kind of you know, right now is all about just building the base and really just introducing people to the concepts and ideas of how to how not just to survive but thrive while on dialysis. The next phase is like really taking it to the public and you know putting out there to local. Like I'm just going to start in Philadelphia, local dialysis groups, local um, transplant units, letting them know that we are going to start doing demonstrations and competitions, reaching out to fellow chefs like you, if you wanted to come up and uh, do a demonstration, if you had an idea, you know, and also to start ha having guys on the show. Like I said, Jim Veloso, Eric, you all have said that you are interested in it. And, and that's exactly what, what I want to do, but I don't want it to be a show where, you, where we're just in like in, in a set stage kitchen. I want it to be in a kitchen that people, you know, get is like your home kitchen so it'd be literally coming over to your place you know we set we record we talk about the recipes that we're working on and what we're building and what your and what the base is of it and then you know we would just do it as a facebook live put it out there like a week ahead of time and you know i think that's a great idea what about a podcast? Would you do a podcast? Or is it, do you think it's more visual? Like, is there a way that some of this could live within a podcast as well? Yeah. I like the visual. I mean, cooking yeah. is very visual. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. I'm obviously a chef, so that's visual. But I did find a way to kind of do a podcast. Like, I don't know, maybe interviewing kidney transplant recipient survivors and have them tell their story as like a you know an accessory piece to the organization i don't know just thinking aloud maybe there's only so many hours in a day yeah exactly and I, in all honesty i would rather spend them in front and working with and showing and just really kind of opening people's eyes because they can because when people can see it can smell it can taste it you know, then they're maybe they're more willing to try it, more willing to do it. They can't smell and taste it through a video, though. No, but they can at least see it. See, that's the thing. They can at least see it and they can try it themselves. They know where to find the recipes. So how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted you on the business side? Like, has this done anything? Has this slowed you down? for what you've wanted to do or has it given you more time to focus on things? Like what's the impact on you uh, been as far as it relates to the cooking without kidneys? You know what the impact has been that has given me more time to work on it. I don't have to think about my job because I'm currently 
in that wonderful boat that a lot of other people are in and unemployed, you know, collecting unemployment. And um, because of that, because I have a little bit coming in, I could just concentrate on this, you know, as, as well as coffee, which we're not going to discuss today, but you know, you know, my, I have also my side business too. That, that brings in a little bit too. So I can work on expanding on that. So it's just, it's given me more time to work towards the goals that I have in mind. So you have a job and two side hustles. Mad respect, mad respect. No rest for the weary for sure. I think I'm going to jump into our speed round, which we've modified a little bit here. And, you know, I like to have a little fun with it. So knowing that you are going to be potentially self-quarantining for a week or two, what are some things that you went to stock up your pantry with so that you would have to cook with and feed yourself and your wife, you know, without having to go to the grocery store for another two weeks? So that was a lot more of the rices, uh, couscous, you know, amaranth, starches, and also proteins as well. Um, you know, my wife's allergic to pork, so we picked up chicken sausage. You know, we picked up um, beef, chicken. Um, we picked up some more fish, salmon and shrimp and things of that nature. So really kind of stocked it up with, you know, and I mean, obviously we, we, um, we have a, um, food saver, you know, so we cryovac everything, put it in the freezer. So that way it keeps better. Yeah. And that's essentially what we've done. What's the weirdest meal you've made since you've been stuck at home? Define weird because that, that there, what's as far as I'm concerned. What's something that maybe you made that you wouldn't have made on a normal day, but you ended up making because you're trying to use up something you had in your pantry or had limited ingredients. So I made us Mexican lasagna. We had corn tortillas that were frozen. That I bought fresh from um, the Italian market a while back that I just left in my freezer. And literally we laid them out. I did some homemade salsa. I, you know, we had black beans. I had one pound of ground beef left. Yeah, and just did a combination thereof. I had a block of shredded cheese that was starting to go. So we used that and block of cheddar that I shredded down and used that. I mean, literally like, you know, it was one of those, oh, look, here, I have this. Let's use that. That sounds so, delicious. What, oh, yeah. is, what does salsa look like? Are you a no tomato salsa then? Yeah, for, so actually with, the, when, I, when I was on dialysis, now obviously this one I did not do dialysis friendly here at home, but when I was on dialysis, I would actually make a salsa verde because tomatillos, they're related to gooseberries. Gooseberries are actually low in potassium. You know, so I would have used those. I would have done it more towards a Caribbean and used pineapple in it. You know, mm -hmm. can't use shredded coconut because that's actually really high in phosphorus. But, you know, it, it just would have been, it just, it just would have been different. Roasted peppers and pineapple and, um, with the ground beef, there would not have been beans in it, you know, or I would have limited the amount of beans in it. And I probably would have limited the amount of potassium that I had to just that one meal, you know, or if I knew I was, if I knew the next day was dialysis, I would have made sure that that was the last thing I had that day that had any potassium in it at all, knowing that I was going to get filtered out the next morning. So yeah, I, 
there were things I would have done different. Do you have any chefs that you admire? It could be either like a quote unquote celebrity chef or someone you've worked with and love. Like who, who's your inspiration in the food industry? Uh, so I got to give my props to Guillermo Veloso. Um, I worked with him for three and a half, almost four years at Cuba Libre to me and him. I was his saucier and, you know, he, I learned so much just by working with him. Um, Jose Garces, you know, just the amount of seriousness he had for his food, he has for his food and just his ideas and how he wants things to be and how exact, you know, I mean, that, that was, that was really, that was, even though I couldn't keep up, it was a lot of fun just to try to, just to work there, you know, try to, try to uh, put the work in to keep up. What about culinary resources? Do you have any books that you continually go back to or websites or anything cooking related to keep you inspired or informed? So right now I'm, I'm rewatching chef's table, you know, on Netflix. I'm all, um, also, if I, if I'm struggling for an idea and looking for something that I'm looking to convert for cooking without kidneys, I'll either use allrecipes.com or I'll use uh, Epicurious. You know, cause you, I can all, there's all, you can always find something out there. Um, you know, mind of a chef is another one also that I, that I found and I was able to, I'm starting to rewatch that too. Lots of watching TV while we're stuck at home, right? Yeah. You know, I try to limit it though. I limit it. I limit it to about, you know, an hour, maybe two, depending on what it is. What is the best meal you ever had? And I know that's a tough one because I don't even know that I have one. Do you have one that sticks out or one that's especially memorable? You know, as far as best meals that I don't have one that stands out. Um, however, for memorable would have to be when uh, my wife and I were um, in Vegas for the, uh, for the other business that we're part of you know, the coffee business that we're part of and realized that Vetri's what opened a, a restaurant within the hotel that we were staying at. And we walked in, you know, literally in jeans and a t-shirt because we're at a hotel. So why not? Um, and I, you know, I've actually been to a seminar with um, Jeff and uh, I've met Mark once you know, so I don't know them, but I know of them. And I really wanted to say what kind of an influence they've been just by watching what Mark's been doing and Jeff's business sense. So, but neither one were there that day. So we ended up sitting down instead of us just getting appetizers. We got so, they just sent out so many different things that we ended up having a phenomenal full meal. It's crazy to come from Philadelphia to go to Vegas to have a super memorable meal at a Mark Vetri restaurant that's not in Philadelphia. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It was crazy. And what do you want to be remembered for? Giving back. You know, I know that I know that cooking without kidneys is all about, you know, giving back. I don't want to be known for building that restaurant empire. I want to be known for just, you know, giving back to a community that, I, that, that I'm part of. And I still say that I'm part of, because even though I'm a nine-year kidney recipient, 
there's always a possibility that I could lose that tomorrow. I'll be right back to where to square one again. Wow, that's pretty deep. Yeah. So what can our listeners do? I mean, I'm going to put a lot of links in the show notes. Is there anything you want from them or anything you want them to know? Any parting words for our listeners? You know, for any of the chefs that want to get involved, that want to help um, develop recipes, you know, have input on it and, uh, and help to form the nonprofit, you know, obviously I would want you guys to contact me through uh, WordPress or uh, through, or through DM me through Instagram, you know, um, or Facebook, it doesn't matter, you know, get in contact with me, we'll work on something. If you're looking to be on, on the Facebook live, you know, let me know and we could definitely do something with that. Um, if anyone's looking to support and help, um, you know, on, I, obviously right now, you know, it's financial resourcing is where I'm at. You know, so anyone who wants to help with the, you know, contribute to it financially, uh, give me a call. That's a conversation we could have. Well, I know you've got the cook. Is it, is it cooking without kidneys dot wordpress.com? Yep. Yep. That's all one cooking without kidneys is all one word. No hashtags, no slashes, nothing. Awesome. Well, I'll put all the info in the show notes so we can get people to find where you're at. I love that you've gone all into Twitter. I'm a big Twitter fan. I see you on Twitter all the time now, which is so ridiculous because you and I have been talking about Twitter for a decade and it's nice to see you kind of getting in there. So I love it. Yeah. It just takes me a while to get started, but once I get started, I'm all in. I know you're not a tech guy. You're not a social media guy. I know it's tough. It's where you gotta be. Um, So I feel you. I know how hard this must be for you and I'm loving watching it. Yeah, and what I've been told from everyone who's watching my videos is that I'm definitely a in front of the <coughs> camera kind of guy. I'm good in front of the camera. I think I you're good in front of the camera. Audience. Yeah, I jumped into your liver cooking <laughs> live the other night, but uh, I had something else. I think I had to jump off to cook dinner for my family or something, but I really enjoyed watching that. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. And for all our listeners, as always, you can find us at chefswithoutrestaurants.org and .com and on all social media platforms at Chefs Without Restaurants. And you can send me an email at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show or sponsoring a show, please let us know. We can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks so much.